You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com. In all my strivings, cosmos, consciousness, the search for meaning, if any, I have seen and heard so much for so long. I'll not tire, but I do seek the new, the novel, the fresh. That's why I think about creativity, the creative process. Creativity brings into existence what prior did not exist. Creativity means something new is now in the world. But just because something is new does not mean it is good. So how to examine, assess, discern creativity? The kind of creativity that is good, insightful, stimulating, revelatory. One way to discern creativity is to concentrate or isolate it. We know that creativity works to create and appreciate art. But can we reverse the process? Use art to probe creativity. The challenge is to grasp the creative process. Can art probe creativity? I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn, and Closer to Truth is my journey to find out. I see characteristics or commonalities of creativity. I wonder whether art can find them. I focus on the creative process. How do artists fashion their innovative works of imagination? Can examining a diversity of the arts, sculpture, painting, writing, film, uncover fundamental principles of art and the creative process? I am led to art by a long-term project of the Templeton Religion Trust, Art Seeking Understanding. The project features artists and art experts. I go to Nassau, Bahamas, to attend the first workshop of Art Seeking Understanding. I begin with an art historian and curator, an expert on 21st century art and also on Jewish art, Aaron Rosen. Aaron, what's the relationship between art and creativity? And I'd like to go in both directions Mm -hmm. to see what art can tell us about the creative process Mm. as well as the creative process within art. For the most part, the creative process remains somewhat um, opaque and mysterious to people. And some of that's partly design. Artists like to have this idea that they're eremitic and they're you know, contained in their little garret or their studio or what have you. But it's difficult to actually get inside the brain of the artist. And you know, there's been some experiments to attach to them to some wires and measure parts of their brains. One of the things I'm really interested in is shedding light on what those spaces look like. I mean, some people were eclectic and they were drinking and leaving sandwiches around like Francis Bacon, and that's part of their process, right? But some artists are extremely organized and it's like Mondrian. They're scientists in a laboratory and they're extremely precise and basically wearing white lab coats. If you uh, try to crystallize a commonality, how do you do that? Well, one thing that an artist said to me recently was that it's all work. And I think that's the thing that we sometimes emphasize in the wrong way. We sort of look at artwork and we say, oh, it's this kind of divine afflatus. But I think part of it for everybody is getting down to work like any job and really sort of soldiering through problems. It's problem solving. So when you say, when you give this diversity, does that, is that diversity between artists or within the same artists at different times? 
And of course, in some cases, it was based on their pathology. It's whether they were drunk or sober. But, uh, but for many artists, what's interesting is that they have one way of going about things, and they've tinkered with that to find the, the right levels of everything, right? So it might be caffeine, but it might be that they meditate before they begin their process. So I think for a lot of artists, one of the, their life's work in a way is finding out how they work in the best fashion and how to sort of progress through that. And a painter friend of mine said to me, you know, when I was painting seriously, it was 10 hours days. It was you paint, you eat, and you sleep. And in fact, Philip Guston did a work called Painting, Smoking, Eating, Sleeping, something of that nature. So it's really about the art controlling your life and finding a way to make that livable, I think. So that's a commonality, you would say? But they all have this intensity? Do they? I think to be a great artist is to have this intensity and to have this immense focus, right? And it can come in different periods. You can have people that might spend time where they, they simply can't paint or they can't create the video work or the installations, the ideas don't come. But for, for the great artists, I think it's about the intensity of that work and there's an ethic there. So even the people that might come across in their public personas as really louche, um, these are the same people that when they get in the studio, it's serious work. Now, I, I want to try to go the other direction and say, okay, now we, we have art, we understand that. So what can we learn from the creative process in art, which may be generic, that can be applied more broadly? Yeah, and I think that it's very interesting to think about the way that art is not so different from creativity in the sciences or creativity in literature. And one of the things that's neglected about how creativity works for a lot of artists is that it often involves research. And that research can take different shapes, um, but there's something very fastidious and assiduous about how artists are looking at things. And it might be that the research is uh, um, adjusting their palette, um, but it might be that it's about gathering data. A lot of contemporary artists about mustering um, tremendous amounts of archival material. But I think it's really about that connection between research and inspiration. And so on the one hand, we tend to have a trope of the artist as you know divinely inspired. And then we have the idea of the scientist as being the one that's re the researcher. And I think it's actually very helpful to sort of reverse those understandings a little bit and think of the artist as a researcher and then think of the scientist as someone who's being creatively inspired. So I think what it does is provides mirror images and ways to sort of shed light on um, on the commonalities of creativity. Let's pretend you're a painter. The hardest thing is to deal with a white canvas, right? But that anxiety of dealing with a white canvas is what's productive. But that very first thing, and someone like Philip Guston dealt with this, what is that first mark? What does that look like? Or an artist I looked at recently, the late Bernard Perlin, it was that you stirred the paint around the surface and you waited for something to emerge. You might have begun with an image of a woman, but it might turn into an abstract largely composed of squares. But it's about dipping into that process and letting, the, again, I think that anxiety um, stimulate you in a productive way. So it begins perhaps the creative process with something of a free association, but it's then how does that trigger the first part of some structure? Then it gives you that opportunity in the hermeneutic circle to go back, to correct, and then you're in it. Then you're in the process, and that's the whole goal is to get in it. Artistic creativity, Aaron says, offers great variance. It may be frenetic or contemplative, relentless or intermittent, research-heavy or pure intuition, but at some point, creativity usually requires work. But to speak of the creative process with only third-person perspective, through only observation and analysis, is to miss the core of creativity. What's missing is first-person perspective, what artists themselves think, feel, and do. 
I meet the iconic Bahamian sculpture artist and cultural leader, Antonio Roberts. Antonio tells me about his sacred space heritage sculpture. He says his work is born of deep respect for the sanctity and significance of the place. These cliffs, he says, bordering a former sugar plantation, a landing site for African slaves taken to the Bahamas. The sacred space also celebrates Bahamian trees and forests, not uprooting them, he explains, transforming them. Antonius, you have a passion to communicate your ideas about your creative work, about the Bahamas, about history. I, I want to go deep into your soul to understand how that creative process works. What is the process between the feeling and the output? The process for me is very simple. The process is recognizing and appreciating where I am. Okay. And being proud of that sense of where I am. And the passion for me is when I get up in the morning, I always say a prayer. And that prayer is, is the Lord is my shepherd. And allow, allow the essence in that moment of prayer guide your steps, guide your words, and guide your, your, your thought process throughout that day. And so that's how my creative process begins. And also... Do you see, you see that as a channeling? Like there's a I see spirit that, I in the see universe that, coming through you? Or? I see that as a centering. Huh. I see that as the center of my being. That what comes through me comes through me as a result of me being the vessel or a vessel that is used by the Almighty. Maybe so, but there's something and, and special about that vessel. And, and I am grateful. I could work for years but and I am not grateful, do that. I, I am grateful to have that. And we're grateful that special. you have it. I just want to find out what it is. <laughs> uh, and I'll give you another story. And may I? Yeah. Okay, because you're passionate, man. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, you're more passionate than I am. But the reality is simply this. When I came to beginning the whole process of creating these sculptures, I had no concept or idea as to what the results would be. Now that's very important to me. I, I, I came, that's good, I like that. I came to this place and, and it was important for me to celebrate this place and this space and to be able to recognize the, uh, what existed in this space. And the fact that these trees were leaning in a certain direction, uh, I celebrated that, recognized uh, that, and so I denied myself my ego. Uh, and so it is through that process of recognizing and celebrating the, ex the, the very existence of this place and the spirit that actually was in this space is what resulted in what you see here. So through the process of six days of coming, every morning before sunrise and, and, and bringing a chainsaw to this place uh. and simply being able to respond to each rooted tree. I remembered either my mother, my uh. grandmother, uh, the lady in the, in the neighborhood or my teacher or those who were very much a part of raising me. I went through the whole process of celebrating. And at the end of the sixth day, I was able to create I don't mean any point. I'm just telling you facts and uh, truth. Uh, that's what I uh, At the end of the six-day experience, I ended up with 12 figures uh, uh. in a group gathering, looking in dif different direction, and I just behold something that was magical for me. What did you feel? How did you feel? I felt empty. Oh. So something came out of you. I felt empty, and as a result of that emptiness, I knew that I was spent. I knew that I left it all out here. Mm. And I knew at the end of the day that whatever I left out here, I could not expect for people to understand or recognize or, or to celebrate my effort, because that effort and, and that whole experience was between me and the Almighty and this space. I was really overtaken by the whole power of creativity and the power of focus and the power of letting go.
And when I left, I took that with me. And these sculptures were left behind as the end product of that whole religious creative experience. Antonio stresses centering and celebrating when starting a creative process. He has no idea of its ending or outcome. Also attending the Art Seeking Understanding Workshop is the seminary-educated Brooklyn-based artist, Alphonse Borsiewicz. He is described as the contemporary painter best attuned to the Byzantine and then Orthodox icon as a highly abstract image capable of tendering a spiritual, even devotional stance. Alphonse, as an artist, uh, what can you say about the creative process? I've been doing this for over 30 years. There's more ambiguity and confusion about the process than when I started. I thought at this point in my life, there'd be more clarity. I find myself very responsive and intuitive. I try to paint uh, themes and ideas, and they never happened. And they, they incubated for sometimes 15, 20 years. And, and all of a sudden, I had the pomegranate I've been thinking about for 20 years. So there's a, there's a wonderful mystery to it. My favorite theologian, Bernard Lonigan, talks about this wonderful mystery or the undertow of mystery. That's what I feel as a painter, the process. So to me, it's more about surrendering and not controlling. The materials sort of take on their own life in the painting. The movement of the paint, the wax, the drying time. Uh, the climate is very important because that will affect the drying time. So, so it's a very intuitive process. And in our over-technological culture, I find that for myself, a contradiction, the tension between the two, and, and creating that space of solitude where I can paint. How many hours of solitude do you need to do your work? <laughs> my, my wife is Japanese from Kyoto, and the two of us are very quiet. So she's an integral part of that sort of quietness uh, in the space. So I actually paint where I live. So I'm always going back between living and painting. Is that disruptive? Not now. There might be a, a need to get back into a, sort of a, another space and create a whole new dynamic where I have to go in. And painting, for me, it's, it's most of the time is sitting just staring at this plane and some mark making and sitting down, staring and painting. So there's so much solitude type action. It's not like a Jackson Pollock, I'm gonna stamp the floor everywhere. Solitude is, is the definite component. Do you work on multiple projects at the same time? Yes and no. I usually work on one painting at a time, but recently I've been working on these Japanese accordion books while I'm painting. So again, the dynamic always changes. Because I have this lust for certainty if I just knew what to do and I can do it. But then when I th think I have it, it changes again. So I create a process is angst-driven sometimes, but at the end, the conclusion tends to be sort of beautiful. How, how do you know when a project is finished? I always quote Giacometti, he said, you never finish a painting, you abandon it. <laughs> uh, that gets me in trouble, because sometimes people love the painting and they say, what happened to it? I changed it. Uh, as long as it's in the studio, I think it's, it's ripe, it ripens. I don't want to force the issue like, oh, this is done. What I, what I have done, though, is I have several paintings in, 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 that are done, and I actually put covers on them so I won't look at them. Because <laughs> if I look at them, I know I'll touch them. It's very fluid. To Alphonse, the creative process is more confusion than clarity. His word of choice, mystery. But does the medium, visual arts, affect the message and enigmatic process? What about non-visual arts, such as verbal arts? 
There is one writer attending the Art Seeking Understanding workshop, the British playwright Murray Watts. Murray, what can the arts uh, reveal about creativity and the creative process? I think that uh, art is a, a process. It's always developing. And I think the process itself is part of the meaning. So the great thing about theatre, plays are what I'm familiar with as a, as a playwright, is that it's an art form that's always developing. So each night it's different. Every performance, because it's a symbiotic relationship with an audience, every audience is different. So one audience might laugh a lot at something and another audience doesn't laugh at all, but they laugh at something else. And you have this respect for the mystery of the audience, not like a set work or... I mean, I've been involved in quite a lot of films and a film is fixed, but a live theatre has a wonderful sense of process. Famously, I think it was Laurence Olivier who, when he played Othello, he gave the most electrifying performance. I mean, one of the best he'd ever given in one particular performance. And afterwards, somebody found him in tears in the dressing room. And they said, well, what's the matter? You were absolutely brilliant. He said, yes, but I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. Because something happened that night. And I love the process. And I think it's part of our own spiritual journey. We're always changing. And that is very, very important, I think. What you're describing is uh, creativity interactionally, but creativity often is a very solitary yes. thing when you're writing a play by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Or... You know, this is very important, I think, the ability to be, it's to be in solitude rather than loneliness. And solitude is in, enormously powerful artistically. There was actually um, an article I read in a paper recently about the problem of the open plan office. You know, there was a certain kind of ideological thing that, you know, if you could just put everybody interacting together, you were going to get better results. But actually, from a creative point of view, solitude, sometimes extreme solitude, is far more fertile. Then, in my case, I get both, because I spend many months on my own writing a play, but then I'll spend time in theatres with actors. What then of that personal process where you're in solitude, where you struggle, where you have sessions of despair and, yeah. and, and elation? Yeah. Uh, what is that, what do those experiences tell us about the, the mental force that is required to generate the creativity? I don't know who it was who coined the phrase deep work, but we need to go deep, right down, to pile drive down. And I think many forces in society will prevent us from doing that. So uh, go through your own creative process yeah. when, you, when you're struggling to do yeah. something new. And, yes. and, and you know the difference between when, when, you, when you feel it, when you got it, and when yes. you don't. Because it, it, it's, it's almost like a trance-like state. So one of the very practical things is, I won't listen to any news, go online, I will not expose myself to the outside world at all. I, I get up in complete silence. When I'm writing a play, I have my breakfast in silence. I might walk outside, I might walk the dog, but it's absolutely without anything really from the outside world except nature and the power of nature itself. I walk to my office, which is literally 100 metres away from, from my house, looks out over the sea. Amazingly, although I've got a fantastic view, when I'm writing a play, I block out the view because I can't write two films at once. There's too much happening out there. And that loneliness is something I have to make a contract with. It's like the solitude is intense, if you like, but 
I'm not going to get anywhere unless I have at least four or five hours of just total aloneness. Mm. And showing up is very important, just being there, because you can have a completely hopeless day. You can have another day when it all, right. it, it all, it all takes uh, fire, if you like, catches fire. But not to worry too much, just to, to allow the flow. It is a kind of trance at its best. To Murray, theater as an art form is changing always. Dynamism and uncertainty, the creative elixir. His personal secret, solitude. While we rightly think of creativity in the singular, in that artistic creativity is the expression of people working alone individually, the contemporary world offers new forms of creativity in the plural. Multiple people, sometimes hundreds or thousands, working together collectively. One way to explore collective creativity is through film. I go to Grand Rapids, Michigan, for a second art-seeking understanding workshop to speak with a professor of film and media studies, Carl Plantinga. Carl, what can we learn about the creativity needed in art that is maybe distinctive in film that would be different because of its multi-modal, multi-sensual aspects that would be different than in painting or sculpture or music? Well, I think that there are some aspects of uh, working in film that would be similar to painting, sculpture, or music, but film brings together uh, people with many, many different skills and talents and uh, capabilities and puts them all together to build something which some people have compared to a cathedral. And that's because there are, there are many workers that involved in a film and, and there's only, only one or two or three or four who really need to keep the whole finished product in mind from beginning to end. The rest of them are mostly concerned with, with their corner of the production, right? Mm -hmm. To make a good film, somebody said, it's almost like a, a kind of a miracle, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that when you, when you talk about the creative process in, in relation to films and, and stories, there's always a combination of uh, human imagination that goes into the making of a film. Um, you know, how to combine certain colors, how to light uh, a character, uh, how to end a story, mm -hmm. what to tell the story about. Um, all of those things are creative. Um, it's fiction, right? But at the same time, um, I've just been exploring uh, fantasy films and uh, specifically superhero films. And what I'm interested in is the degree to which these films, which we consider to be fantasies, they're so far from our normal mm -hmm. quotidian reality, are thoroughly infused with ordinary assumptions about what the world is like. But there's a scene in which all of the characters and Guardians of the Galaxy, I think only one of which is a human being, <laughs> but they're all, you know, characters, right. persons. They're sitting around a room and they're talking about a plan that they're going to make. It followed all of the protocols that humans have for how they make plans. I mean, even, even the most creative work of art... Has to have hooks to our reality, it, or yeah. it won't have the impact. That's exactly right. Yeah. Is this an involvement of art? Is this a Hegelian uh, progression that uh, other art forms have now reached their, uh, their pinnacle in, in film, They're done well? I wouldn't say that myself. What I would say is, is that the development of film relies on contemporary technologies. And now we're developing 3D, 
are developing all kinds of techniques that seem to bring us closer to natural perception, to the way that we experience the world normally, cognitively and emotionally. And the ultimate development, of course, will be storytelling in virtual reality, where we'll have ways of interacting and, and sort of changing the narrative as it goes along. And all of that, it strikes me, brings us closer and closer to sort of what you might call our, our natural everyday conscious experience in one regard, but it's still going to be a formed, carefully constructed prompt for that experience, formed by someone else with a, with a very clear idea of how she or he wants you to respond, what kind of emotions you ought to be having or you're intended to have, what kind of thoughts you, you should be having, etc. The challenge is to grasp the creative process. Describe how creativity works in the arts. Use art to probe creativity. How do artists describe creativity? Centered and emptiness, overtaken by the powers of focus and letting go. Ambiguous and confused, surrendering, not controlling, angst-driven, a wonderful mystery. A process always developing, at its best, a kind of trance. The creative process is part of creativity's meaning. I like that. Tremendous variations, and it's usually work. Bottom line, when you feel it, you've got it. How creativity works in the collective, building cathedrals, making films, adds another layer. Film expands the scope of art, the creative team controlling what you think and how you feel. Creativity is an astonishment to bring new stuff into existence, stuff with meaning, to see the world differently as no one has seen it before. When I think hard about it, creativity is a clue for closer to truth. To watch complete conversations with over 100 of the world's leading thinkers on cosmos, consciousness, and meaning, visit our website, closertotruth.com.